0: Who's was hooping our Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 27. I've preached on this text to teens. But tonight I want to direct it a little different way. Genesis chapter 27 verse 18. The Bible says, he came unto his father and said, my father, and he said, here am I, who art thou my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me, arise, I pray thee sit in need of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, now how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God hath brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may fill thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felled him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy in his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I'll eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. He brought it near to him, he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank, and his father Isaac said to him, come now, come near now, and kiss me, my son, and he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God, give thee the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, the plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee, be Lord over thy brethren, and let Thy mother's son bowed down to thee. Cursed be every one that cursed thee, and blessed be he that blessed thee. When I ask you tonight, a question how desperate are you for the father's blessing? And I know, when we look at the life of Jacob, we understand he was a trickster, a deceiver. And here we see that Jacob comes with the intent the purpose of deceiving his father to get the blessing. A very carnal act, but here's what we do understand. There was a deep desire in his life that we see repeatedly to have that blessing. Now, we know there were three sides to that. There was, regrettably, I don't believe it was all spiritual. There's a financial side to that, and when someone knows, in this case, In this time, that blessing meant a double portion if there are only two boys in the home and you're getting 66% instead of 33%. It sounds like a pretty good deal, especially knowing the wealth and riches of Abraham and Isaac that had been passed down to Jacob. This is quite a family fortune. So obviously, uh, there's, there's some heathen in his heart. And I'm fearful that most people, when we talk about The blessing of God, naturally, it's equated to something financial in nature. Most of what I have heard over the course of my ministry, when people talk about being blessed by God, I'm so blessed. They're talking about a new truck, seven years of payments, but I'm so blessed. (laughs) by having to pay off $80,000 and the the bottom line is I'll end up paying $150,000, but I am blessed. I'm blessed with a 30-year note on my house and I'm blessed with, do we equate everything spiritual to our carnal nature, which means if I'm financially set, God must be smiling on me. Now, here's what I do believe. I, I believe that may be a small part of it, but it's if, if you put the order of priorities, yours and God's, whatever you find at the top is probably on the bottom for God. And when it comes to finances, that's lowest on the totem pole, not ours, but his. I know a lot of people that have the favor of God and live very simply, much more simply than we've ever lived here in the United States of America. But there was a financial part. and We know there was a political part as well that that meant being the priest and the patriarch here of his family, and that was coveted as well. But there was a spiritual side. And the blessing that we see... Um, Repeatedly, Go with me chapter 28, verse 1, just so we can see here quickly. Isaac called Jacob, blessed him, charged him, and said to him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the doctors of Canaan. And verse 3, God Almighty, bless thee, make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Church, I often talk to people. My life is dealing with people and I watch Christians try to live without the blessing and favor of God. Now, I understand the very fact that we're all born again brings a certain amount of blessings. As a child of God, aren't you thankful that we've experienced the blessings of God? Those that are natural to salvation from the dwelling of the Holy Spirit The guidance of the Bible, living this book, provides us certain blessings. But I just don't see, uh, and uh, especially among our youth, there should be a desperation as we see in the heart and life of Jacob for God the Father's blessing and favor. I want to live that way. Uh, I'm not concerned about how deep my bank account is, or how nice my vehicle is. I'm concerned about something bigger and broader than that because the blessings of God are multifaceted. It's not a one-dimensional blessing. And when you look at your family and your children, and here's what the real blessings of God are, they're revealed over decades, not over days. It's, it's seen long-term in your life and in your health. And that, that doesn't mean there's not a Pentecost philosophy that God has to smile on me every day exactly the way I deem the smile ought to be. This isn't a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about you living every day with the special hand and the special favor of God in your life and on your children, in your home and in your marriage, in your mind, in your heart. And when, when you see someone with God's special favor, you notice it, and you see there's just a twinge of jealousy. I, I wish God would smile on me on that level. Now, here's, here's what I believe: When you trace God's finger throughout the Bible and you trace the word "favor and blessing." Okay, it's easy, easily noticed in Abraham and in uh, Jacob, in Joseph, in Moses, in David, in uh, Esther, in uh, Nehemiah. You you see this pattern. Uh, here comes the angel to Mary, thou art highly favored. And and you see literally the word blessed and favored in the Bible. And uh, I long for that. I, I want to be one of those that... that Adam's name is, the Thompson name is connected to the favor of God. I don't think that's selfish. I, I don't think that's a carnal desire. I, I think quite the opposite. I literally look with some level of pity on Christians who are, who are satisfied literally with the nominal life, almost the life of Esau, where they're exchanging or minimizing or despising the blessing of the father and for a pot of porridge or soup or lentils or beans or nothingness, exchanging the favor of God for the favor of the world, divine favor for earthly favor, and here's here's what Jacob does, and I want you to see, and uh, Truly, I I believe that the text is going to give us a few clues into how he was blessed with that favor. Go with me to Genesis 32 for just a minute. I hope you don't have the philosophy of Esau, which it says, I don't don't need the favor. Sometimes I read this and I want to say, Esau, you would trade all of that for a moment of hunger. You would so lightly esteem. You are so carnal that literally your God is your belly and you're going to trade that for the moment. But you watch Christians do the same thing. We, we do have a biblical understanding of what it takes to have the favor and the blessing of God, not just today, but next month, the next year, and over the next few decades. And I watch people sacrifice the favor of God for nothingness. They, they pull in he Esau. They, they don't undervalue. They almost place no value at all. There's a self-sufficiency that says, I'm going to make this work with or without God. I'm going to make my marriage work, and I'm going to rear my children, and I'm going to go into retirement. I'm going to pull off this. I'm talking about even in the spiritual. I'm going to run this ministry without the favor of God. I'm going to produce the bells and whistles and I'm going to create the noise and I'm going to establish a program and if God wants to jump on board, great. And if he doesn't, that's okay too. We're going to make it work. And there are people I'm, I'm talking about, I would say, and I don't want to judge harshly or overly generalized, but I would say in my opinion, it would lean towards the majority that are truly so self-satisfied with whatever life they've established, that the need for God's special... I'm talking about God's special favor and blessing. I remember in school, kids would create jealousy and say, you're the teacher's pet. Right? I want others to feel that way about me and my God. I want people to say... Uh, Adam Thompson and his family has the special touch, the special hand, the special blessing, the special smile of God. And I, I believe there are things that bring that, and I believe there are things that end that favor. Now look what it says in Genesis 32, verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him to the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I'll not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said to him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as is a prince who has power with God and with men, and hast." Revealed. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after me my name? And he blessed him there. But Christian, I think number one, that's obvious in the text and become obvious in life, it takes great faith to have the great favor of God. You say, Pastor, that's too simplistic. I know it's not too many Christians trying to live without faith. I I remember growing up and reading Hebrews 11 and thinking, this is the hall of faith, and these are the greatest men that ever walked the earth. And then the longer you live and the longer you read about them and their stories, you realize, no, those were the weakest men that ever walked the face of the earth. Murders, adulterers. We don't even want to talk about the morality of Samson. If we go down the list one by one, what God recorded in Scripture helps us come to the realization that these were men that at some point realized their own weakness and by faith threw themselves totally broken and dependent upon God. And how is it then in 2024 to find someone that's totally broken and dependent upon God? It's nearly impossible. I mean, you're talking about 18-year-olds that are so (laughs) self-confident. I mean, 15 minutes of prayer a week would be a waste of time. Man, I got this. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm going to marry this girl, and I'm going to make this kind of money, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And, and life's going to slap you upside the head like a dead rabbit. And if you're not careful, may slap you upside the head like a two-by-four. But at some point, if you're going to have the favor of God... If you're gonna have the smile and the blessing of God, and here's what here's what he's doing: there's this desperation, and Jacob's reached this point in his life where he's connived, and his his name is Jacob, and he's lived up to his name. Every day he's lived up to his name. But today that's gonna to change. And he realizes. This has got to change. I can't continue to live like this. I can't raise a family like this. I can't live with this reputation. I've, I've got to change my character, and I don't even know how. He wrestles with this angel. Now, any of you that have wrestled or fought or boxed, you know a, a three-minute round is a long time. I don't know if anybody has ever wrestled or boxed an hour, two hours, three hours, but all night long? The physical exertion that's going to take, the determination, the commitment. But he said, if this has to do with the blessing. But here's what we see consistently in the life of Jacob. That desire to be blessed. Oh, God, give us some young people with that kind of commitment, desire to have the blessing in the favor of God. And parents say, I want that kind of favor in the life of my child. Want that kind of favors they choose a mate and as they rear their children as they make financial decisions as they establish a ministry. I I want God to smile on them like He has on others. I don't think it's exclusive. I don't think it's all, oh Pastor, he was predestined to see the smile of God. We're Calvinists when it comes to the smile of God. And here's what he's doing. He's wrestling in his thigh without a joint. This is a painful moment where God says, I'm going to break you down in order to build you up. And most of us don't want the blessing of God because we don't want to be broken down. God smiles on brokenness. God smiles on humility. God smiles on that because then we got to reach out by faith. Young people, you know what God resists? I can't imagine going through life with Holy Ghost, heavenly, divine resistance. I want favor, not resistance. That's the difference between humility and pride. Boy, you want to throw your pride on the altar as often as you can and say, oh God, I know that offends you. God, I want you to smile my life. And when you come to the point where you understand you can't do anything, of any eternal value without his help, you know what that does? It causes you to live by faith and that causes him to smile on you. The whole of faith, without faith, it is what? Impossible Impossible to please him. And from this point on, he's going to be a misfit. From this point on, he's going to look different than everyone else. You've seen it. That person that walks like this, There's no surgery to fix it. No hip replacement to make it better. The rest of his life, he's going to walk differently, look differently, because he had been broken. You know what we want to do? We want to fit in. We want everybody else to say, oh, look at how sharp he is. Look at his intelligence. Boy, that guy has it together. He's got a knack for making money. He's just naturally a talker. Boy, he's so talented. Look at where they're headed in life. And God says, pfft. God never sat up in heaven and pressing. Oh, boy, I can't wait till that group graduates. Have you seen the talent those 12th graders have? Oh, man, I'm going to turn the world upside down. They've got speaking ability and musical talent and natural intelligence. Peter, come here for a minute. Oh, what is going to happen now over the next 20 years? Christianity has never seen the likes of this senior group. If you ever taken a look at preachers and missionaries, you know what you did in the pew when they came by? You said, I'm that smart. I'm actually a better speaker. I have a bigger vocabulary than that man does. And I'm better looking. And God says there's a reason I'm not using you. Faith causes God to smile on you. And I want to surround myself with men of faith who just look at God and say, I know what God can do and I want to be involved in what God can do. And I want to make sure that it's God and I want to work as hard as I can. But at the end of the day, understand this is all about God. And he said, I'm done with being Jacob. And God said, for as a prince hast our power with God and with men. Wow. That's a smile of God. Church, it didn't take me long. It, it when when I was called to preach thirteen fourteen, I've never been a natural speaker. I had no desire to stand behind a pulpit, and I think that was actually a positive in my case because. It, Early on, it forced me to my knees and it made me dependent upon God saying there is no way I want to stand up there. There's no way I want to make a fool of myself and make a fool of your word and make a fool of the name of God. If you're not in this and if you're not blessing this and if you're not smiling on this, God help us when we... Somehow, no matter how small or large the ministry or responsibility, the home life or the marriage, when we truly live our days absent of God, thinking, God, I've got this. And if I reach a point of desperation, I'll make sure, I'll make sure to include you in the conversation. But right now, things are going pretty well. And right now, I'm I'm moving up the corporate ladder, and right now, the company loves me, and right now, my truck's running good, and right now, I've made a good decision on the purchase of this house, and uh, so right now, just, you know, hold tight, and uh, if, if, if I see a desperate moment, I'll make sure I'll call you. That's the way the average Christian lives. And God, young people, you better learn this early in life. God smiles on faith. God blesses faith. And if you want the favor and the blessing of God, you better wrestle God and get on your knees and say, God, I don't want to, I don't want to live a day. I, you ought to wake up every day and say, God, I don't want to live today without your favor. And I don't want to do this job without your favor. And I don't want to go and without your favor. And I, I don't want to go into my classes with those teachers without your favor. Here's what we're going to see in this chapter. There's a trickle-down effect. And when you have the favor of God, you come into favor with men. That's a pretty nice side effect. I don't know about you. It's not like I want to be hated by the world and be everything but the teacher's pet. Look what it says in Genesis 28. Genesis 28, verse 18. Jacob rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put for his pillows, set it up for a pillar and poured it upon on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But The name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, that young people, that is what you need. God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go. will give me bread to eat and to put on so that I come again to into my father's house in peace, and shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, church, I, I just want to throw this in. Because when I was studying this passage this week, I, I know there's some people out there try to tell you that tithe is not for the Christian. And I'd have to agree. I think tithing's for the carnal. Tithing is for the babes. If all you do is tithe as a Christian, you will never be a good Christian. If you wrestle with God over 10%, this before the law, and I know some people talk about God never demanded 10%. He, This was on the land. I don't care what kind of excuse. This is simply people that have no absolutely... No desire to give God was rightfully his. If you're going to argue with God over ten percent, you'll argue a million things with God. Now, here's what I've seen in this book, and here's what I've seen, pastor, for thirty years: you cannot have God's blessing in your life if you're dishonest with God in your finances. Now, I'd say this: I didn't say extreme generosity. You know what your pastor believes. I believe extreme generosity. I believe in missions. I believe in giving. I believe in helping others. I believe in tithing. I believe in all of it. Those are people that are blessed. But you cannot know the blessings of God when you can't even give him. Here's what, here's what Jacob said. Well, he didn't have a church. Where was he going to give it? How was he going to give it to God? I think him and God figured something out. I'm not worried about Jacob. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about a college student that doesn't tithe or a teenager that doesn't tithe. I'm worried about a church member that doesn't tithe. This church made it. If you're not tithe, this church made a long time without your tithe. It'll continue to make a long time without your tithe. The question is how long are you going to make it without God's favor and God's blessing on your life because you're a thief. Now, go with me to Malachi, a very familiar text. And I noticed something interesting this week that I never noticed before. Malachi chapter 3 concerning the tithe. Malachi 3, 8. Will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me. you you say, we've robbed thee in tithes and offerings. You're cursed. We're talking about God's favor and God's blessing. What's, he, what's God say to the God robber? You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open now the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough. Oh, at least once or twice a year, pastor, I don't make enough to type. That's why you don't make enough. You're trying to live without God's blessing. You're trying to live with your hand in God's pocket. If nothing else, I want the windows of heaven open. Number 11, ought to, verse 11 ought to be motivation. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your crown. Aren't you, aren't you glad you tied God gave you a promise. I'm going to smile on you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to hold back the devourer. I don't, I don't want Satan unleashed. We laugh in foreign countries. Uh, you go to leave these uh, flyers in the gate, and about as soon as you reach that flyer at the yeah. gate, man, that dog will come running. You don't see it. It'll come running and jump with all its might, and bang, people jump back, and get scared half to death. And you know what you do? And you step back you take a look at that dog. You just say, thank God for the gate. Right. That gate rebuked the intentions of the devourer. That would have been my leg, <laughs> my hand in his mouth. Aren't you glad that God said, I'm going to shut that gate, and keep a lock on it? Yes. If you're honest with me. Yes. I've seen some bad beasts on a chain. How many of you ever been at the zoo? You know why you take great courage looking through that glass? I mean, you're talking about 600, 800 pounds of man-eating substance. But you are all relaxed. You put your little eight-pound baby up to the glass. <laughs> Look at the lion. Look at the little tiger. Yeah, because someone's rebuking the devourer. Uh-huh. That's why you're not so afraid. If you're if you're stealing God's money, and you think you're going to live with God's blessing and God's smile, you've got a mental disorder. Amen. Jacob said, "God, I want you to know. I'm going to give you a tie of everything you give me, and I think that extended yes to the promised land, which he wouldn't receive, but his. Children's children would receive, and they did. They tithe on everything from the corn and the wine to the fruits and the nuts. God smiled on him in church. Just say, you want young people, children, you want the blessing of God? Parents, if you want your kids to have the blessing of God, you better teach them some of these principles. Go back with me to Genesis 28. Let's go back a few verses to verse 11. Genesis 28, Speak of Jacob, he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took of the stones at that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in a place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Behold, the angel of God ascending, descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, my father, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it to thy seed and Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Can you imagine hearing that kind of promise from God's mouth? Jacob, aren't you glad that you sought God's blessing? Now, here's the deal. God couldn't bless Jacob, the trickster, the sneaky snake, the man filled with the flesh. But he could bless Israel. You've wrestled with me. I'm going to have to change your old nature. You're going to have to have a meeting with God himself. And we see he had a couple where literally he found himself face to face with God. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob waked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was what? Why was he afraid? He'd come to face to face with the Holy One. And he said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured a hole upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And young people, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 26, I believe there's another key word when it comes to the blessing, the favor, the smile of God on our lives, and it's holiness. Now, here's what this world will tell you, and here's what even Baptists will tell you. Supposedly, Christians will tell you. Holiness doesn't matter. Modesty doesn't matter. Just love Jesus. Jesus. Faithful in church doesn't matter. Matter of fact, you can worship God on the boat, from a hunting blind, the park, or your house. None of that matters. Just love Jesus. Whatever that means in their mind. Just love Jesus. Young people, I've done you from the past thirty years of ministry. I've seen some special people with a special blessing and special favor, a special touch and a special hand. And I'm not talking about, once again, young people. I'm I'm not talking about just the favor that comes with being a Christian. I thank God for that, but I personally want to see a whole lot more than that. I want to see God's favor. I, I don't want someone to come look at my church and see it as normal, and I don't want someone to come look at my family and see it as normal, and I don't want someone to come see my life and see it as normal. I want God's blessings to be obvious. I, I just like, if I walk into a store, I like being favored. When you walk into a store in the United States of America at, at this point, if you can even find the help, you're lucky. And then help that actually wants to help Boy, that's one out of a hundred. But here's what happens. When you're an American, you go to a foreign country, and you walk into a store, they see dollar signs. They treat you like you're the king of Egypt. Special favor because of your place of origin, because of the color of your skin. You know what? That doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But the favor of God, that means a whole lot to me. Here's what I would prefer. There are times I preach the truth and sometimes people agree, sometimes people disagree. I've had people get angry. I've had people walk out of church. Our first five years here, we had 30 families leave. Folks, I'll just be honest with you. I would rather have 30 families leave and keep the favor of God than lose the favor of God and keep 30 families. I don't want anyone to leave and it hurts me when, when that kind of thing happens. But my purpose, first and foremost, is to get the smile of God on my life and ministry, even if it means the frowns of men and the anger of society and the frustration of a lost world and even the disagreement of other Christians that aren't seeking God's favor or God's blessing. And here's what Jacob had to do. He had to come to the point where he cleaned up some things in his life and said, God can't bless me living like Jacob, the trickster, the deceiver. And here's the deal. Jacob said what most Christians do. I want the blessing. I want the blessed life. And I'm going to get it no matter what the cost. If I have to lie, deceive, connive, whatever I have to do. Now, here's the problem. Baptists—they don't understand. Spiritual blessings come from the hand of God, and He knows who you are. When Jacob went and stole that birthright, he had a father that was dim of sight. Okay, he couldn't see, and that's why you see Mama putting, that, helping him with that that stew, and Mama helping him uh, with his garment, and. Preparing everything so he smelled like Esau, and he felt like Esau, and he cooked like Esau. And some of you have learned to connive and scheme and get some level of some kind of blessing in this life and fool yourself into thinking it's a spiritual blessing. But when you stand before God in your life and say, God, I'm Esau. <laughs> You're Jacob, the trickster. I don't want to come that way. I I don't want to get God's blessing writing on the tail of someone else or I, I don't want okay someone that is that that conniving that understands nothing about spiritual blessings. And as a pastor, occasionally, I'll be honest, occasionally, it is depressing to hear people talk. And say, oh, pastor, come come in here. you got to see this. Man, God has really blessed me. And nine times out of ten, something financial. And nine times out of ten, it's something to put them deeper in debt. And you can't even burst their bubble and say, this has nothing to do with the blessing of God. You're fabricating a man-made blessing. This is a pool of self-deception. Brother Hoffmeister is living the blessed life. You got a son on the mission field and a grandson on the mission field, kids in church and grandkids in the Bible college. And that's a blessed life. Never owned a brand new car, but he's never had to scheme or fabricate. And young people, life is difficult and life is complicated. Life is frustrating. And I don't care if it's marriage or picking out a maid, or rearing children, or a career, or a ministry, you want God's smile. You want to know even when you have a complication, God's facilitating in the midst of the complication. You want to know that God is smiling on you and blessing you, and God's looking down from heaven saying, that's one of my favorite boys right there.